All right, special guest Lou Echos here. He is the uh, head of North America at Tropic Marin. Uh, so the man here in the United States for us. Uh, and he's gonna be dropping a bunch of knowledge again with us today. This time, very closely related to some of the things that Tropic Marin does with carbon dosing. So a lot of you heard of carbon dosing, you know, it could be your NO3, PO4X, it could be, uh, you know, vodka, sugar. I've heard people doing rice, bio pellets, all kinds of different ways to add organic carbon to the tank to fuel uh, bacterial growth and remove nutrients. But Tropic Marin's got some, what I'd call evolutions of the way that you would go to this. We get better and better every single year. Let's hear about it. Start with number one, which is carbon dosing got a bad rap due to lots of growth of undesirable stuff. Uh, talk about the cause of that. Yeah, I think that back in the day when people started experimenting with carbon dosing, uh, it wasn't really understood a lot exactly what it does and how it works and what are the benefits and what are the downsides. And so there were people that started carbon dosing and did lots of different types of carbon compounds into their tanks and saw the growth of undesirable things like cyanobacteria or green hair algae or bryopsis and that kind of stuff. And it is true that if you don't understand how it works and you're just throwing a bunch of carbon compounds in the tank, you will be fueling that stuff as well. So we've come a great distance now. We know a whole lot more about why that happened, how to prevent it, and how to do carbon dosing in a way that benefits the corals and doesn't allow that other stuff to grow. So it's careful because when you say yeah, it's got a bad rap due to growth of the stuff, this is so just sometimes. And this is coming from somebody that like, I, I, don't, I don't use carbon dosing. I, I, oh, we're gonna change that. I don't I think I've ever run a tank, man, <laughs> purely for long-term carbon dosing. Zeovit, but actually I had the refugium on there yeah. with the Zeovit even, so yeah. it wasn't. Uh, and so- I'm gonna get you to do an experiment. Yeah, we should, Because when you see the difference that the carbon dosing can make when it's done properly, you're gonna be a big fan. Yeah, and just for your reference, what he's getting at here is not just nitrate and phosphate. We're gonna get deeper and when you see the difference, you know, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to hear. I've perused this a little bit. Uh, uh, so the one thing I will note is like, again, it says due to lots of growth where that NO3 PO4X stuff from Red Sea is really, really popular. Like mm -hmm. the people buy an enormous amount of that stuff. So uh, I can't imagine they'd keep buying it if it wasn't working for them. So, so the bad things only happen some of the time, but how do you avoid this? That's correct. And uh, maybe after this discussion, when people understand why that bad thing happens some of the time, they'll be more interested in some of the Tropic Marin products that work to avoid those bad things happen some of the time. Okay, so I'm gonna preempt number two here with a sentence uh, that people have asked me many times, like they wanna use bio pellets, which yeah. is basically carbon dosing in a solid form. And I got totally like into this because once I figured out that, I can't remember what the this PHA or something like that, uh, but basically what it is is Bacteria make this stuff when they have an abundance of uh, organic carbon, but limited amount of nitrogen and phosphorus or something like that. So it's about essentially making a carbon source that they can use in the future mm -hmm. when the carbon source is uh, depleted. I'm like, great, because I actually have want that in my tank, right. right? And I have a depleted amount of organic carbon in my tank. Now, here's the problem. I have never ever in my entire life seen what I would call an epic bio pellet tank. So while the science all makes sense to me, I've just never seen it, you know? There's a reason for that. Okay, now I'm now, I use that to preempt into number two. So yeah, let's go right there's in. There's a reason for that. Okay, not all, this is number two uh, from Lou. Uh, not all uh, uh, carbon compounds are created equal. Vodka, ethyl, ethyl, or alcohol, is that ethanol? Ethanol, yeah. Yep. Okay, vodka, alcohol, ethanol, vinegar, which is a, a acidic acid, sugar, which is a glucose. These are all short monomers, and there are also carbon polymers in much longer chains. So explain. All right, so nothing is 100%, but the basic gist of this conversation 
on a on a level that is really you know just kind of the lowest level that we can put this at to try to make it really something that I can understand. I'm not a chemist, so I had to put this into terms that I can understand. The way it works is this. These things that you're talking about, vodka, alcohol, vinegar, uh, uh, sugars, these are monomers. They're single uh, uh, carbon compounds. And that's what all of the good bacteria in the tank want in order to grow and thrive, right? It's also what all the bad bacteria want. Things like, you know, the stuff we don't want to grow, bryopsis and uh, uh, cyanobacteria and dinoflagellates. They all want this, that single monomer, all right? But here's where the cool thing comes in. The good guys that we're trying to grow have the ability to take longer chain polymers and break it down to these single pieces that it wants the bad guys don't have that ability. Hmm. So if we dose a tank for carbon dosing with longer chains, we're targeting the good guys because the good guys can use those. And the bad guys can't. Now, a lot of people that are watching that may understand this uh, already will say, well, that's not totally true. It's not 100%. But in general... The good bacteria that we're trying to promote the growth of have this ability to break these longer chain polymers up and the bad guys don't. So if we're using longer chains, then we are promoting the growth of the good guys and we're not promoting the growth of the bad guys. All right. So as you said, you're not a chemist. This is one of the areas where my skill level in carbon dosing is... Like, I don't know, man, low. Uh, I have not ever done this before. I've read about it. Yeah. I've talked to everybody that does it. And there's so much science behind this. Like, if anybody just said any of what you said is true or untrue, like, I don't think any of this has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. It has been documented, repeated. Yeah. Uh, it has produced an, maybe an overwhelming amount of anecdotal evidence in many cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there isn't like a whole lot of peer-reviewed uh, science on aquariums and carbon 100%. But I'll go to, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So <laughs> there you go. if you've got all this anecdotal evidence that when you do it one way, you get this, and when you do it the other way, you get that, it's probably a duck. So I, actually, hobbies sometimes get stuck on that stuff, which is if you can't prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt and you can't give me every last bit of uh, science and it isn't absolute and works in every last place, I'm not doing it. Well, I got to do this for you, man. You're leaving a lot of the table. Yeah, like, I agree. That is the only thing that you're ever going to willing to do. Like they have this like theory of innovation, like that goes from like, uh, you know, uh, early adopters all the way to like the laggards. Yeah, yeah. Like you're going to pull out that. PC bulb out of my cold dead hand, you know, like, uh, well, I don't know. Like only when the rotary phone is like, uh, stops working, will you take it away? Well, from I mean, you could apply it to so much else in reef keeping. There's so much in reef keeping that we don't fully understand down to the molecular level. Mm -hmm. We're trying, we're learning more all the time, but for the meantime, there's certain things where we just got to say, look, if it works, and it, and it proves out to work in different situations, let's go with it while we figure it out. In fact, I think that's where you find like a lot of science is you're just throwing stuff at the wall until you get a result, and then you try to figure out why you got the result. Uh, and then, better yet, why in some cases don't I? Yeah. You know, and that's where you really get into it. So we're exploring this. Uh, and it's cool because, you know, carbon dosing was around when I started it, but like it was a lot, a lot of people just dumping rice and stuff in their tank, hoping for the best, uh, based on like some limited known science. Yeah. Uh, sugar and stuff, and then uh, have huge outbreaks of stuff. And Well, that's the thing. That's why it got a bad rap, because people didn't know what they were doing, and they dump a bunch of stuff in their tank, because in principle, it sounded like it was a good idea. But it didn't work that way. So that's one of the reasons I think that like that Red Sea one, the NO3 PO4X does fairly well, is because it isn't like left to you in a forum and like uh, here's a bottle of vodka that I bought, you know, I'll drink half of it and dose the rest. Well, it they, you know, like there's a set of instructions, you yeah. know, follow this. It's yeah. a, a known quality 
let's do this. The, the problem with most other approaches though, is that they leave you flat once it starts to work. Mm. Once it starts to work, they, you, you don't really know where to go. Okay, yep. And that's where the Tropic Marin system is different. And, and in, I would say also matching the fact that like, and you're gonna get there because I know a little bit of where you're going, is that if I'm gonna remove all the nitrate and phosphate, how do I get nitrogen and phosphorus to the animal, the coral and the zooxanthellae that very much need this, right? Right. How do I get it to it if I'm gonna remove it from the water? Uh, and there is an answer to that. So the next one here is uh, uh, consider lowering nutrients, maintaining nutrients or raising nutrients when looking at the type of carbon dose you wanna do. You talked about this in a previous episode, yes. but like, I was surprised to hear this actually, uh, is that if I have, if I'm lowering nu nutrients, right tool, right job. If I'm maintaining nutrients, right tool, right job. If I need to actually raise the nutrients, right tool, right job, it's not one tool fits all. What are they? Yeah, exactly. So um, this is a group of products that Tropic Marin makes. We start out with the Elima NP. This is similar to the other carbon dosing products you're talking about from other companies. Very aggressive uh, carbon dosing to lower the nutrients. And we're gonna go now on just phosphate level. If phosphate is above 0.1, then we need to get it down. If it's 0 0.2, 0 0.3, or whatever it is, we need to get it down. The, the sweet spot for phosphate is gonna be somewhere about, well, classically we say 0.1 to 0.03, right? Uh, I push it a little bit. Um, I like to say the sweet spot is, the spot is really 0.15 to about 0 0.04. 0 0.03 starts feeling a little bit low to me. Um, so if our, if our phosphate level is above 0.15 um, or 0.1, we're gonna decrease it with the Elima NP. And it's easy to remember the names of these products because it's Elima and maintain and you know, balance and, and, and add. So a limb NP, and that's gonna just be aggressive carbon dosing to help get that, that level down. Um, now keep in mind that we're using the phosphate level as our, as our indicator here, but that's not really the reason we're doing it. The reason we're doing it is to give our, our coral polyps a mechanism for acquiring the phosphate that they need, right? The side benefit is it goes down in the water column. Awesome, great, it gives us something to measure. But that's not really why we're doing it. We're really doing it because the corals can't get the phosphate they need without this carbon dosing that we're doing. <clears throat> so uh, Elima NP brings the phosphate level down. Now let's say we get down into that. Okay, wait, yeah. one pause one moment. <clears throat> so what you're really getting at here is there's the, again, the difference between organic and inorganic phosphate in the tank. Inorganic phosphate is just phosphate you measure with the test mm. kit, it's like an element, right? Uh, uh, the organic phosphate will be <clears throat> bacteria combined with that organic carbon uh, will consume the phosphate and bind it up into its organic you know, flesh, essentially, or well, yeah. tissue material uh, of the bacteria. And then the coral captures the bacteria and now is able to get it in an organic form. That organic form happens to be the form that algae and crap can't eat. Mm -hmm. You know, the coral can use this. The coral, both the coral and the zooxanthellae within it uh, can use this, but uh, not just floating around as phosphate and nitrate that anything like algae could use. And, and the algae, again, wants the short monomers and we're gonna give it the longer. Mm -hmm. And so the algae can't, the algae doesn't have a mechanism to break down those longer polymers into monomers. <clears throat> so now we get down into the desirable range. Let's say we get our phosphate down to 0.08 or 0.09. If we continue with the Elima NP, then we're just gonna continue to suck phosphate out of the system. Great for the water column maybe, but doesn't help our animals. So what we want to do at that point is we want to continue to do the carbon dosing so that the, the animals can get the phosphate they need, but we also want to add phosphate and nitrate so that it doesn't keep going down. 
That's where the second product comes in, NP Bacto Balance, nitrogen phosphate balance. This is uh, got fairly low levels. I just want to keep them there. Yeah. Um, and, and the NP Bacto Balance will add a little phosphate and nitrate to help maintain it, but also do the carbon dosing so that at the same time, the corals can get that phosphate that they need. Now, in some systems that run really, really clean, it, it might continue to drop and then it gets down or, or maybe it just uh, maybe you're coming off of an ultra low nutrient uh, uh, system and you want to get that phosphate level up now and the nitrate level up. Then we have a product. If it's if your phosphate level is below 0.03, we have a product called plus NP. So it's really easy to remember. You got eliminate NP, NP back to balance in the middle and then plus NP if you need more. So what is plus NP adding? Plus NP is gonna add nitrogen and phosphates without uh, adding any carbon dosing because it's, it actually has a little tiny bit of carbon dosing in it, but it's all about raising the nitrate and phosphate level. Hmm. So uh, in the case where you're approaching like the zero, zero and I need to get off of yeah. that. Yeah, and uh -huh. I should say it, it, it's, it's adding nitrogen compounds because a lot of people complain they use the plus NP and they don't see their nitrate level going up. <clears throat> it's because it's not adding directly nitrates. It's adding other nitrogen compounds that your animals want because your animals don't really want nitrate. Yeah, let's just call it, are you hinting at that this is like potentially small amounts of ammonia or something? No, no. Um, but it is true that the, um, that the uh, uh, corals would much rather utilize ammonium or urea than nitrate because again i don't remember the chemistry of it but if i remember correctly i think the um, ammonium has or urea has uh four or five times as much nitrogen in it as nitrate so given the choice they're totally going for the urea not the nitrate so i've heard it uh, similar that basically ammonia has like a uh strong electrical charge and nitrate has very little charge to it like you see so just not as much energy left in it I think that relates more to the to the um, size of the molecule and how it does damage and not. So um, this is in relation to ammonia and ammonium. Mm -hmm. So ammonium is uh, is a neutral molecule, right? It's got one big nitrogen with three uh, hydrogens, uh, so it's neutral. Uh, sorry, ammonia, not ammonium, ammonia. Uh, one nitrogen, three hydrogens. So it's a, it's a neutral particle and it's very small. Um, ammonium, on the other hand, has an extra hydrogen on it. So it's now four hydrogens and the one, and the one um, nitrogen. So it's, uh, it's got a charge. Mm -hmm. And because it's got a charge, water molecules will bond to it. This is why if... Um, uh, we look at the cell membrane. Wow, we, we, we're drilling down way deeper than I expected to drill here, but it's, but it's good information. Um, a cell membrane is porous. It's got tiny little pores in it. The reason ammonia is dangerous and ammonium is not is because ammonium has a charge on it, so it has all these water molecules bonded to it, makes it really big. It's too big to get through those mm. tiny holes in the cell membrane, so it can't get inside the cell to cause damage. Ammonia is neutral, so it's tiny, and it, it's able to get through those tiny pores in the cell membrane to do damage inside the cell. Also true in reverse osmosis. So Same thing in reverse osmosis, The yes. ammonia gas goes right on through, but yes. the ammonium is largely rejected. Mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Yep. Uh, all right, next one here is uh, more important to allow the corals uh, to get the PO4 they need, side benefit of lowering nutrients in the water column. So I'm gonna repeat that one actually. So what we're referring to here is carbon dosing is thought of as a way to reduce nitrate and phosphate. But what you're saying is, is the carbon dosing is more important to allow the corals to get the PO4 they need, uh, the side benefit, just by accident, I guess. We're also gonna re reduce the nutrients in the water column. Yeah, 100%. I mean, people always consider carbon dosing in relation to nutrient reduction because that's where the history of carbon dosing is in nutrient reduction in, in commercial agriculture. Um, but it, 
that's not why we do it. We do it because the coral polyps have a horrible mechanism for getting the phosphates they need out of the water column, the dissolved phosphates out of the water column. They have a really bad mechanism for that. On a coral reef, they get their phosphates from fish poop and, and particulate phosphate that falls right on them. They're not pulling the phosphate out of the water column because in fact, on the coral reef, the, the, the phosphate level is so low, there's no phosphate to pull out. But a school of fish come by and poop all over the reef. Now there's tons of phosphate and there's this pulsing effect of the nutrients. We talked about that in one of our other, other talks. Um, so what, what happens um, with, with this is that we're, we're doing it to give the corals a mechanism for getting that phosphate. When they get that phosphate, it goes down in the water column. So we say, wow, cool, that's great. We lowered the nutrient level. But that's not really the reason we do it. We do it so that the corals get the phosphate they need. So I like plausible theory. Like, uh, I like things that just seem to make sense. Okay, and one of the things that, like, I just, this always rubs me the wrong way is that we maintain these high levels of nitrate and phosphate in the tank, which is so abnormal yes, to the totally. ocean. Right. Totally. And then we also know full well that if you actually chase those things down to zero, zero, like the ocean, our tanks look like crap. Yep. Okay. The answer to that is that they get the nitrate and phosphate in a different method in the ocean. Like, why don't we at least attempt as a hobby to emulate that before we stick with the old ways of just let nitrate be 20 parts per million and phosphate be high, even though we're uh, slowing calcification, the phosphate's poisoning the calcium carbonate crystal, the thing's growing weaker, slower. And uh, I tend to really look to the people that run stores and uh, farms as some of like my mentors, because they touch the animals more than any reefer, mm. more than any, they do this for a living for yeah. decades. And they have so many customer tanks, so many stinks. And one of the things that Jen from New Wave says is high phosphates and not really even that high causes euphilia to drop heads. Hmm. Okay, I don't know the mechanism behind that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I can't tell you that that's proof, but I can tell you that I tend to trust the people that do this for the living because they see the correlations and it doesn't really matter if the science is there. When this happens, it causes X. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that this is the direction that nutrient management is moving into actually. Um, if you reach down next to you, you can pull up two products that we now make oh, yes. that address this issue specifically. Um, these are not in the U.S. yet, but they're going to be very shortly. And it's FOSS Start and FOSS Feed. And so these are different than the things you already talked about? Uh, they are, because okay. this is not carbon dosing now. Um, this is the addition of phosphorus in a particulate form for the corals so that just like on a coral reef, you can keep your water column phosphate level extremely low. And when you sprinkle this in a tank, you're now sprinkling in particulate phosphate, just like that big school of Moorish idols came by and pooped all over the reef and put particulate phosphate in the water column to fall down onto the coral polyps themselves. And I think that this is going to be really a whole category of nutrient management that we've never seen before. And I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see similar products for nitrate as well, um, where uh, although, although the nitrogen compounds are done more through urea and, and ammonium uh, through the gills of the fish in the water column themselves, corals have a great mechanism for getting nitrogen out of the water column. It's the phosphate that they have a terrible mechanism for. And what these products do is to allow you to keep that low phosphate level and still give the animals the phosphate that they need in the particulate form that they get it in a wild. Well, it's not just the mechanism. There is just a lot, lot less phosphate in the water than there is a, a nitrate. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not uncommon to see five, 10, you know, 20 parts per million nitrate in a tank. It is incredibly income, uncommon to see 20 parts per million phosphate. Oh, yeah. Like, I yeah, would assume yeah. the tank would be in yeah. really bad shape. Yeah, probably pretty bad uh, shape. Okay. And uh, 
in fact, it's, it's kind of hard to maintain levels that are low. Like I, I've long since given up trying to chase 0.03 of that nonsense. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't I'm not a fan of 0 0.03. I yeah. think 0 0.1 to 0 0.5 is better. Okay, so you know where 0 0.03 comes from? I mean, sorry. Yeah, 0 0.1, 0 0.9. Okay, yeah, so 0 0.03 is this num magic number that everybody was given a while back, yeah. right? And it was given as when we were fighting algae. Uh, right, and so we needed to find jelly. And so what happens is, below zero point zero three, we've scavenged or like we reduced the 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 phosphate so low that algae can no longer scavenge it for the water, and it prevents it from building its DNA and tissue and mm -hmm. growing. Right? Okay. Well, you know what else is in the core or in the inside the tank that very much needs phosphate is also an algae. The zooxanthellae. Mm -hmm. So what the zooxanthellae, you know, combines all of these things together to produce like glucose and glycerol for the coral yeah. and itself. Uh, and we're going to intentionally lower the levels down to the point that these plants can't possibly survive. Mm. Right. Okay. In that case, you better be adding something, right? This is a new approach. I've never heard of doing, you know, a precipitate you know, kind particulate, of uh, particulate yeah. uh, type. Uh, usually it's always like kind of more organic foods yeah. and stuff like that to capture. So I got to tell you, if you had caught me five years ago, uh, German snake oil, because <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, I just, it's because it's, it's new and I yeah. have like an aversion to new and I really want to know all the science behind it. Now I'm starting to like, that day that we did the experiment on the amino acid thing, mm -hmm. and then the results were so night and day, as soon as we gave it the amino acids, which at the same time I thought, like, hey, it tastes just fine without that. Why would I add that? Right. All the corals just, like, took off. They double or they increased like, the weight by 50% or more. The color came in. The tissue was way better. And we documented it in four tanks, you mm -hmm. know, in an experiment over a period of time. Okay, now I am definitely willing to hear that there are things that I don't know and I'd like to. So what is this? Is this one uh, phosphate? What's the difference? Yeah, so uh, this one has some more carbon dosing in it where the phosphate, because we're, we, we're, we're talking about carbon dosing and we mm -hmm. kind of bled into this phosphate, particulate phosphate uh, arena here. But this is really for the maintenance of, of a reef tank. This is really for starting a reef tank. And, and, the, and the great thing about this is that it allows you to really mimic this pulsing of nutrients, particularly phosphates, that, uh, that the corals uh, have happen on a natural reef. Okay, so this one looks like a telky kind of grayish yeah, yeah. powder, and this one looks a little bit more like salt mix. Right. Uh, okay, so give us a little bit more as to what the difference between start and feed, like why I'd use this in the beginning and why I would use this later. So. Uh, the fast start you use when you're starting an aquarium. You're, yeah, why you're, though? Right after you're cycling it. And what you're doing with this is that um, phosphate is key in getting the bacteria in the, the, the bio load and the bacteria going in a brand new aquarium. Um, and what the fast start does is to also include carbon dosing that, um, that helps that process. Now, the interesting thing here is that what I have been told, because I have not actually started a tank with this, I'm going on what my scientists are telling me. What my scientists tell me is that you use the, the FOSS start until you start to see the growth of something you don't like in the tank. Oh. And at that point is when you switch over to the phosphate. Well, interesting. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, I'll be honest, I'm just learning about these products at the same time. Uh, I did not know about this pulsing effect of nutrients on a reef. I wasn't aware of the, I, I knew that the, the phosphate and, and nitrate concentrations on the reef were very low, but I always had that question of, well, how do the, how do the animals get the phosphate and nitrate they need then? And, um, and then there was this whole explanation of the fish poop and, and the gills and all of that. Um, and so this really allows us to mimic that where keeping the concentrations really low or allowing the concentrations to be really high, both don't do the, don't do that. Well, it's interesting because it feels like, I mean, like back in the day, people started balking at dosing, you know, nitrate and stuff. Yeah. Right? Uh, it feels like we're on the cusp of something. 
you know? Yeah, I think this, like, this is, is trailblazing a, stuff. I, I think this is, um, this really, these two products, I'm, I'm super excited about these because I really feel like these represent a new category of, a, a new methodology for nutrient management that okay. has never existed. So this is an important question now, right? Because I, I feel like these are classified as trailblazing products mm -hmm. now, right? Like these are uh, a little bit of grounds that have been un untraveled mm -hmm. to this date, yeah. right? Okay, who is this good for then in terms of like skill level and stuff of reefer? Who should be using these things? Well, the fast start is for anybody that's starting an aquarium. It's a no-brainer. It's easy. Fast feed is, it is, is key for anybody, especially people with SBS, that are trying to maintain the phosphate that their animals need, but having trouble figuring out where that sweet spot is. If they've kept their levels higher or they kept their levels lower and they've never really had it work for them, this is the solution because this allows you to keep it lower, but still get the phosphate what's, to the what's, corals. What's the, what's the actual mechanism of dosing these crystals? You dissolve it in water, you sprinkle, sprinkle it in, in the tank? Yeah. Okay, very interesting. All right, well, we'll keep on moving forward. Uh, all right, so uh, next one is, use carbon dosing even when the nutrient level is good to help the corals get the PO4 they need. This one is very interesting, uh, is like, Nitrate and phosphate right where I'm at, what I want them at. Uh, and I, what I want to do now is actually dose this stuff to feed phosphate to the coral. Yeah. I mean, I understand. I just so have never approached it this way. So here's, the, here's the, the, the point that I'm making with that one is that we're not using the carbon dosing primarily to get our nitrate and phosphate level at a specific number. We're using it to allow those corals to get the nutrients that they need. So what that means then is, if I've gotten, let's say I started with a high phosphate level, I use a limit NP and it gets down to 0.08 and I'm right where I wanna be, right? So what do I do at that point? Well, I can't continue to use the limit NP because that's gonna push my phosphate levels down. If I stop using the limit NP, what's gonna happen is, I might maintain my 0.08 phosphate level, but I'm not doing anything to enable my corals to get that phosphate. So what the NP bactyl balance does is to maintain that 0.08, but still give the carbon dosing to allow the corals to get that phosphate. So you're, you're continuing to do the primary purpose of the carbon dosing, which is to get that nutrient to your corals, but you're also adding nitrate and phosphate to maintain those levels. Okay, I mean, I keep bringing the correlation here to like zeovit in a lot of our conversations because it was the grandfather of, of carbon dosing to mm -hmm. me, right? Uh, and then the big thing was dose the materials back. And so this is the biggest piece that I see missing over and over again with all of the carbon dosing approaches, which is like, uh, if I dose carbon and I don't think about how I'm going to get nitrogen and phosphorus to the coral in some manner, whether it be amino acids or dissolved organics or particulates, uh, I, the animal's going to be harmed. Yeah. Now, I want to keep those things low to keep calcification going, and I want to keep those things low to be able to uh, keep algae and gunk from growing mm -hmm. in my tank, but I don't want to starve out the coral. So. Interesting. Uh, in relation to that, the next one here is uh, avoid using GFO or aluminum oxide if possible. Why throw out those needed nutrients? Yeah. So if you're doing GFO, uh, I, I mean, I don't, you could say the same thing about aluminum oxide, but you're just disposing of them. All you're doing is stripping them out of the water and throwing them out. And your <laughs> corals need those nutrients. And then there's a second factor involved in this, I didn't mean to cut you oh, off, no. but there's a sector, second factor involved, which is that don't think for a minute that GFA, GFO is taking only phosphate out of your water. It's taking other stuff as well. So you're stripping all this stuff out of your water that your corals really need, and what are you doing with it? You're paying money to get the GFO in there, and then you're throwing it out. Mm -hmm. And that's all good, healthy stuff for your corals. So you, if you 
watch the journey of BRS, uh, which is largely uh, like a BSG deep BRS TV, which is largely my just, you know, traveling through reefing. Man. Yeah. You know, I just happen to like really nerd want to do this for my living, I guess. I don't know, man. I, every every like, day. You're stuck doing it, so. Yeah, I mean, like, my wife is super pissed because I wake up at 7 a.m. I'm already on the couch, you know, trying to do something, man. So uh, every day for the last 20 years, you know. But if you caught me in the beginning, GFO is such an effective tool for fighting algae. But then I would find out that later on, I was like, well, that just left nitrate totally unchecked. And uh, if you're not feeding the hell out of it, it's mm -hmm. going to be a problem. Okay, how do we get the nutrients back in? And then, like, ultimately, like, I still feel like GFO is the tool for, you know, instances where you really need to get only the phosphate mm -hmm. down for some reason. Uh, but, like, this conversation is, it feels a little bit to me like, you know, like, forever it's been phosphate's the enemy. You know, now um, this conversation is like, oh, the other yeah. way, like, phosphate's our best friend. Well, it, 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 at certain levels, it absolutely is. I like anything. I think the answer is usually in the middle somewhere. Yeah. How do we find it? Well, the, the, I think the takeaway on this whole thing is that, at least for the phosphates, is that corals can live in, in, in an almost zero nitrate environment. They can't live in a zero phosphate environment. Well, hence uh, why uh, like we can starve out the, the algae as well. Yeah. You know, like that's why it's so effective. Right. So, you know, so... At the end of the day, phosphate is a very important nutrient, and we have to, number one, figure out how to supply it to the corals in a way that they can get it, and number two, make sure that they have the mechanism in the way we're supplying it that they can assimilate it. That's where that particulate phosphate comes in. I'm going to butcher this, man, because I've been learning about it recently just a little bit, but like, I think all of our cellular energy is like ADP and like popping on and off of phosphate. Right. Uh, if you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it, that is why probably the phosphate is so critical to, mm -hmm. to all of this. All right. So the next one is uh, pellets are a very easy way to do it. Slow the re release. Use minimum flow in a fluidized bed reactor. So do you guys sell a pellet? We do. OK, what is it? NP Bacto pellets. OK. All right. So very different from most of the other pellets on the market. How so? It's a different type of polymer. Um, if you look at most of the pellets that are on the market, and I'm not putting them down, mind you, but if you look at most of the pellets on the market, they look like a little plastic bead. Mm -hmm. um, ours don't. Ours look like a little dull, they almost look like rabbit feet or something. They're like little dull uh, cylinders. Um, it's because it's a very different composition of the pellet. And... Um, so when I said earlier, bio pellets, I've never seen a successful take. It's almost exclusively related to those like little yes. kind of tan plastic beads that yeah. everybody has. And and they work. I mean, I haven't I, seen it like I'm terrible not, results or anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, just never seen like a tank that I want to emulate. I'm not putting those kind of pellets down. I just think that uh, the composition that we use for our pellets is a much more uh, natural type of polymer. Um, and, and I like pellets. And the reason I like pellets is because once you get it set up and you get the flow right and everything, it's a no-brainer. You're done. And you're, you're, you're doing this gentle carbon dosing on a regular basis. The reason I added the part about... Is it really as self-regulating as it may seem? Um, it is, but um, what's going to happen is that you're going to get the flow where you want it. And then a week later, it's going to be less flow than that because in carbon dosing through those tubes, it's going to get some gunk on the inside and the, slow's gonna, the flow is going to slow down a little bit. So you have to constantly turn the flow up. But the reason I mentioned the flow is because... DC pump. It goes, yeah, it goes exactly opposite to what we've always done with flow in, in aquariums. We always say with canister filters um, or, or uh, even fluidized beds, you know, it, pump as much water through as you can uh, with a fluidized bed, as much water as you can so that the media doesn't come out the top, but make sure it's filled up all the way and make sure everything's moving. With carbon dosing, it's exactly the opposite. With carbon dosing, you want to run the minimum flow that keeps all of the pellets fluidized. So you keep turning your flow down until 
on the very bottom, you'll see the pellets stop, you know, moving and then turn it up a little bit so that they move. But you want the minimum flow through that chamber that keeps the entire column of pellets in motion. The reason you want the minimum flow is because you want the water in contact with the pellet for the maximum amount of time. So if the water's slamming through the chamber, it doesn't have any time to contact the pellet to get the benefit of the carbon dosing. So you want the minimum flow that keeps the entire column of pellets fluidized. So it's, it's kind of opposite from what we've always done with, with fluidized beds. This is the next one I've, I've been tempted to try, actually. Is uh, Reef Actif is a super gentle and slow, no risk and always beneficial. And I always stay away from words like always. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. And, and I, in general, I do too. But this is one product where, uh, wow, I'm getting really producty here, but it is what it is. Uh, do we own that? Um, uh, like the, the moment we open this video, <laughs> this, this is what it was about. That so. is what it is. Um, Refactive is such a gentle, slow type of carbon dosing an extremely natural type of carbon dosing. Um, the, the, the long chain polymers in Refactif that we're using, and remember we said we wanna use long chain polymers because the good guys have the ability to break those down and the bad guys don't. The long chain polymers that are in Refactif come from seaweed. They are literally the long chain polymers that do this in the ocean. It's very slow, it's very gentle. And for anybody that's worried about, you know, oh, I'm gonna grow a bunch of stuff I don't wanna grow, that happens maybe with other types of carbon dosing, but the refactif, there's a huge margin of, of error in so, the application of it. I was mixing up refactif with bioactif or the salt that has- The salt, the, that, the, the bioactive salt is pro-reef salt, with refactif already mixed into it. So if you don't want to store that, by the way, uh, but if you mix up your salt and use it right away, you're essentially carbon dosing with that salt. Yeah, if you're doing regular water changes, the bioactive salt is a no-brainer because, again, you can't store it because uh, after about 36 or 48 hours, you start forming these big, ugly clumps of like slimy stuff. That's the biopolymers. Polymers. What polymers do is they chain up. And so if you've got polymers in a solution and you're, you're circulating the solution, eventually those polymers are gonna chain up and they form these like slimy blobs. That's why you don't hold it. But if you're one of these people that mixes up your salt and uses it within a day, the bioactive salts are no brainer because you're already carbon dosing. Every time you do a water change, you're doing a low level of carbon dosing and getting all that benefit without doing anything else. Okay, so that means that you would be doing a water change here in this case, I'd be getting lower nutrients through dilution, but I'm also gonna further that effect by adding some carbon dosing, and that carbon dosing is going to go on to feed my coral. Yes. I mean, like- Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, like, okay, <laughs> I, I laughed at your no-brainer element, but like, as you say it out loud and track with it, like, it sounds very attractive. It, it is, and um, I'll tell you the people that I've talked to, I mean, Pro Reef's our number one seller. You know, I, you know I store that. my salt, I make as much as I can at one time, and then you know let it sit there for a month as I use it all, so I, this isn't viable to me, but yeah. if I wasn't, I'm super enticed. Yeah, the, the people that I've talked to that have gone from Pro Reef to Bioactive Salt um, are, are pretty amazed at the results that they see. And they can do the same thing by using refactive, or just you know, add that it, in. It's, it's just another process where if you're already doing regular water changes and use the bioactive salt, it's already happening. I mean, that's a good point because I just like suddenly have this willingness to use this salt that has this in it. But I could use the salt I already have and then try this bio bioactive on its own, which yeah. is essentially the same thing. Yeah. Tempted. Tempting. Tempted. Uh, Definitely tempted to figure out what the next experiment would look like on this. So we'll we'll dig into that later. Uh, all right. So I'm glad I'm, I'm I'm able to make you question 
yeah. where you're going with this. Well, you know, for me, like, it's one thing for us to sit down and have this conversation, right? And like, the reality is, is that uh, like, I haven't done the research and all yeah. this stuff uh, in the same way you have in some of this stuff and I don't have the experience, but that doesn't mean I can't go get that experience. Yeah, absolutely. So starting to think about how, how would I use it? Where would I use it? How could I document it? How could I share it with all of you in a manner that is compelling and valuable, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and usually it's through doing, you know, BRS TV investigates and doing AB testing. And what I like to do is like, a B and then another A B of almost the exact same things, yeah. you know, and then we find out whether or not we can replicate the results. Well, you let me know what you need and I'll help you out. I can't. I got wait. some connections. Well, what I need is a, a fortune uh, to fund all, all of it. So <laughs> send, uh, send over yeah. briefcase cash is acceptable. All right, I'll work on it. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then the next one here is can refective and or NP bio pellets or bacto pellets with any one of the Elimini NP, NP, Bacto, Balance, or uh, plus NP. And before you answer, I'm gonna answer, Dr. Tim's has this great little board of what all of his little bacteria products mm -hmm. are, and then what the solutions are that it has solves for them. Dude, that is ripe for this, because yeah. any time that you just say, the sentence I just said, you lost everybody in the crowd. Yeah. Which is, can I use refactif and or NP Bacto pellets with any one of the Elimini NP, NP Bacto balance or plus NP. This needs a grid, man, so bad. I just wrote that for him. I didn't, I didn't, it's just like, let him answer the question. I didn't mean for him to read it out. Okay, so answer so the question. The, the, the point there is that we have five carbon dosing products, okay? Refactif, NP Bacto pellets, Elimini NP, NP Bacto Balance and plus NP. The Alim NP, the NP Bacto Balance and the plus NP are the ones that you use depending on which, what is your phosphate level. Mm -hmm. That leaves us with the refactif and the NP Bacto pellets. Mm -hmm. And people are always asking me, can I use one or the other or both? And what do I do if I'm using the other products? The answer is, you can use one or both together with any one of the other three. Okay. All right. So refactif, the reason I say almost always on refactif is because it does almost always benefit the tank it's being put in. So you can always use it. If you'd like to have additional carbon dosing and you don't want to mess with having to figure out which product to use, the NP Bacto pellets are a great way to go because once you get it set up, it's on autopilot and it runs itself. And if you're still fighting with nutrient levels and you want to get your nutrient levels down even more, you're already doing a lot to get that phosphate to your corals, but the more you can do, the better. So then you could run any one of those other three, depending on what your phosphate level is. Okay. So you did explain it better than I read it. Uh, so the, what's going through my mind right now is like, I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this like, huh, this is like a totally different than I had looked at this stuff yeah. before. And I can't help but think, you know, what we would do for the BRST investigates, but also what all the trailblazers and the uh, early adopters out there, what they will do with this and where that will land us in the upcoming years. Mm -hmm. because. You know, the theory of innovation is like the early adopters will pick this up. And if they're all really successful, then it goes on to uh, the early majority and they're successful and that's everybody. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so right now it feels like we're right in that early adopter range. And I can't wait to see what happens. I'm a firm believer that uh, 10 years from now, every reef tank is going to have some form of carbon dosing on it. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case especially if we figured out how to plug, not just fight nitrate and phosphate, but do what you're talking about, which is then also fill in mm -hmm. the uh, uh, nutrient needs of the animal. And, yeah. and the I, don't, I don't think it's gonna be in the form that it is now where you're looking at your phosphate level and you're figuring out which product to use and all of that. I don't think it's gonna be anything like that, but I'm a firm believer. I, I've seen the benefit of the carbon dosing. I see how much difference it makes. I'm a firm believer that this 
this concept of carbon dosing is just going to be built into the normal products that you're using in your tank and it's going to be happening without you doing anything special. Kind of like what happens with the bioactive salt. Yeah, well, absolutely. Okay, uh, because you can never stop at uh, 10. Uh, one more <laughs> here is uh, coral reef water is uh, ultra low nutrient. So the o ocean's reef has basically undetectable nitrate and phosphate. Uh, certainly undetectable by your test kit. Uh, how do corals get nutrients? Talk about natural nutrient pulsing and particulate supply method. And so, you know, we, the, go we ahead. Kinda, we kind of got to this earlier yep. because we went off script a little bit here, um, which we tend to do from time to time. But um, the, the important takeaway from that one is nutrients on a coral reef are extremely low in the water column. Animals need those nutrients, so how do they get them? mostly from this pulsing action of fish school comes by, poops and pees all over the reef, putting a bunch of nutrients out there. The corals have a wonderful mechanism for saying, wow, we got a lot of nutrients right now, let's take them in. And then they go back to that ultra low nutrient environment. This pulsing and this particulate uh, uh, delivery method of, of nutrients is really, really key. I think it's where the whole future of nutrient management in coral reefs is going, in, in reef tanks is going. And I'm super stoked about these new products because these ones are really the first products in that category that address it in that supernatural way of, supernatural, <laughs> in, in that natural, very natural way of the pulsing and the particulate addition. So it's interesting to think, because what, what you're really talking about is, it's pulsing external to the coral's tissue. It's yeah, available yeah. only sometimes. Yes. Whether or not the fish uh, pooped on the coral, or yeah. uh, whether or not waves stirred up detritus, yeah. whether or not there was a bacterial bloom or the nightly plankton blooms and all that kind of stuff. It was getting in pulses, but internally to the coral, it needs it all the time. So it's storing this stuff. So like it's scavenging it when it's available and hoarding it inside of its tissue yeah. to make this happen. So here's the really good news is uh, this isn't the last one of these. There's a whole list of uh, me and Lou talking about all this uh, reef nerdy stuff. It's in this little box right here. So check it out. Come see the next one.